When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Hey, Chief, we got a damaged RV on its way to the OR. Well, that sounds like a job for the new head of RV surgery. <laughs> Wait, are you promoting me? Congrats, Martinez. Doctor, that RV's flatlining. Well, that sounds like a job for the new head of nursing. So you're just promoting everyone now? Yeah, kind of looks that way, doesn't it? When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates covered subject to policy terms. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change. Hi, this is Pamela Debar, and you are listening to Pantheon Podcasts. Pantheon Podcasts presents from Hollywood, California, The Devil's Music with Pleasant Gaiman. You are invited to join the Hollywood princess as she explores her lifelong pursuits in the occult, sex, love, and that sinful rock and roll. Ladies and gentlemen, step into the dark parlor of Pleasant Gaiman as she brings you the devil's music. Hi, I'm Pleasant Gaiman, and welcome to the devil's music a Pantheon podcast. I'm a rock and roll witch from Hollywood, California. My obsession with music and the occult started at the age of 12 and is still going strong. During the 70s, I was one of the first punks in Los Angeles. I worked at the Whiskey A Go-Go and had a Xerox fanzine called Lobotomy, which led me to writing a rock and roll gossip column in the LA Weekly, which in turn led me to writing for every major rock publication you could think of. In the 80s through the 90s, I fronted three bands. I'm a best-selling author with eight books out and more on the way. For the past 30 years, I've been a professional dancer who's toured around the globe teaching and performing, and you've probably seen me dancing in a number of music videos, feature films, and documentaries. I'm also an actor with several film credits. Find out more about me at PleasantGaiman.com. I'm really excited to be a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network of rock and roll shows. Everyone at Pantheon tells spectacular stories about the music we love so much, each one with a different twist. Find them all at PantheonPodcast.com, as well as on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio.com, Pandora, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what we're doing here, Head on over to PantheonPodcast.com and share a show with a friend. Wonder Woman! 
waiting for you And the power you possess In your satin tights Fighting for your rights And the old red, white and blue Hi, this is Pleasant Gaiman, and you're listening to the Devil's Music Podcast. Today, my guest, my illustrious guest, is a New York Times bestselling comic book writer. She's got credits too numerous to mention in the comic world. She's also written for all sorts of television shows and worked for CBS, Sci-Fi, Hulu, Netflix. She's married to the illustrious comic book illustrator, Kat Staggs. She's a devoted mom, a Twitter addict, and hostess of the Cafe at the End of the World podcast. She's also an actress, which is actually how we met. Please welcome my gorgeous friend, Amanda Dybert. Hi, babe. Hi, babe. How are you? I am good. It's so nice to see you. Um, so let's talk about, like, first, um, before we start talking about, like, how we met and all any other kind of crazy escapades that we've done. Like, <laughs> 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 the devilish laugh already comes out. Um, how did you how did you start doing comic book writing and stuff? That's so that's so exciting. Um, I mean, I guess I mean there's a lot of like really practical answers, and then there's also kind of the I slept my way into it, which is that I I started dating Kat. She was a comic book illustrator, uh, and I was already a TV writer. And I enjoyed comics. So we started doing uh, some web comics together for like this online female comedy site. And I started doing these comic strips about my life that were like embarrassing stories. So it was called Hot Mess. But it would be like true stories about like a time that like I fell off a cliff while hiking with my pants off trying to go to the bathroom. <laughs> or like when I had a... <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> No. <laughs> so already we're getting off to a, a terrific start <laughs> or like I had like this work party and I invited everyone over and took them on a tour of my apartment and then the next morning woke up and realized that there was like a giant dildo on my bedside table and I'd given all my coworkers a tour of my giant sex toys um so you know it was just like really tame intimate slice of life comic strip <laughs> and no wonder we loved each other at first sight. <laughs> I didn't know any of this shit about you. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I know. And then I was doing. I was also doing like um, like YouTube videos, like online comedy things. And I did this thing that was like a. It was for Father's Day, and it was like a joke about my being an orphan. And it was like a dead dad joke that turned into a Batman joke. And I guess it went around the offices at DC comics for a while. And then one of the editors contacted me and she was like, I've seen some of your other comic stuff online. And I really love this joke. And like, would you like to write some wonder woman? And I said, sure. So, you know, still those and dead dad jokes. That's, that's how it started. <laughs> that's so good. 
just a wholesome, like something Betty or Veronica would do, or, or exactly, exactly, or someone in a you love know, like, comic. <laughs> I used to fucking, I used to adore those love comics when I was little. I'd like steal them from my high school age babysitters, and I always. I, I would sit there like in the bathroom, like with an onion under my nose, trying to get tears to come out of my eyes the way they looked in the comics. Oh my God, that's so cute. That's I thought so it was cute. really hot. <laughs> that's amazing. And oh then, God. I mean, also speaking of hot and hot mess and comics, I remember my friend Kathy King when, <laughs> you know, how you always like, Remember your childhood friends, like with their first and last names. Yes, yes. Anyway, Kathy King had this playhouse that was just loaded with comics, you know. And so we'd go there ostensibly um, to read the comics, like after after grade school. This wasn't even junior high mm -hmm. yet. And then um, I would always somehow in the middle of it, and this wasn't even the love comics. This was just normal like kid stuff. I would I would suggest playing doctor and no one wanted to um to to do it. So I'd always I'd always just take my clothes off and lay on top of the top, top of the comic books and be a be the patient so then everyone else could show it. Oh my god, oh my god. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I mean I'm not in your world, but I, I was in it for a while. <laughs> You're like, but I was on it and I was on it naked. <laughs> I was on it. <laughs> oh my God, so scary. Um, okay, so, <laughs> well, um, why don't you t tell, <laughs> tell people <laughs> some of that, some of that, like um, the comics that you've done most recently, or if you've got any new ones coming out, and then we'll, we'll get on to more like terrifying shit <laughs> we'll, we'll get back on the foot that we started on <laughs> absolutely um so like on the wholesome i'm a mom and i also write kid stuff side of things i've got um i've been doing some dc superhero girls graphic novels and i've got another one coming out in september and that goes along with the dc superhero girls cartoon i've also done some teen titans go and a bunch of like really wholesome superhero comics. I also have uh, on August 10th, I don't know when this will air, so it's either in the future or the immediate past. But on August 10th, I have a lesbian detective noir graphic novel coming out uh, called Work for a Million. That's an adaptation of uh, a novel and a series of novels in the 70s and 80s that were like the first out lesbian detective novel series written by Eve Zaremba and it's really cool. And that's coming out with Penguin Random House and I'm stoked on that. And it's all set in the seventies and very sexy and fun. So those that's are the most amazing. immediate things. Wow. That's yeah, really it's really fun. fun. It's really fun. Um, so where, where did you grow up? I don't even know some of this stuff about you. I, I grew up in the deep South. So I was the born on the so coast of No, I'm just kidding. I know, right? <laughs> That's exactly it. I, I, uh, I grew up on the coast of North Carolina and then moved to central fucking Florida and grew up there, went, to, you know, attended like a private Pentecostal 
school, I was baptized in like a lake full of alligators, like wow. wearing a men's like Hanes undershirt over my bathing suit for modesty, you know, like <laughs> just, yeah, very. <laughs> wow. This is so good. I would, that would have been my only introduction of you if I had known that. <laughs> <laughs> She's baptized in a lake full of alligators. Wait, what, what year was true. that? That's, wait, I've always thought Pentecostal. When I was little, I used to go and get, the, <laughs> I mean, okay, this is another story from when I was little, but there was lots of garter snakes where I was growing up, which was like in New England. Mm -hmm. And I used to get them and hold them because I'd heard that there was like snake handling, like church cults. And I didn't know it was called Pentecostal, but that was one of my aspirations for when I grew up, you know? Well, I'm glad to have lived your dream. <laughs> totally. I, I want to see the picture with the, um, with the Hanes t-shirt. <laughs> Do you have it? Oh, I don't know if I have a picture of like the actual baptism, but we used to, so like at the Pentecostal school, uh, they didn't do snake handling at school, but we would have chapels and there was lots of like speaking in tongues and rolling around in the floor. And I used to um, do that too. I used to do that for real. <laughs> but like we realized, I mean, part of it was us believing and then part of it was realizing that if, if the revival happened, like if the spirit moved us, we could get out of class like all day on Fridays because they would never interrupt God. So as much <laughs> as we kept crying, and screaming and rolling on top of each other and wailing and praying in tongues. Like we could like get out of class all day. So oh we did that God. every Friday. Oh my fucking God. Um, what, what made you leave the church? I would have just fucking stayed there. Well, it was really fucked. Actually, the, the, the big turning point for me was a little bit sad, but it was at my my mom died when I was 14 of cancer and um, I like didn't really know what to do. And we were all very like immersed in the church. Obviously I didn't really know what to do. So the next day I went back to school. I was in eighth grade and uh, my science teacher, like very heartfeltly, like truly meant it. But she was like, your mom died because we didn't pray the right way. Like we didn't believe enough. We didn't oh, have enough shit. faith. So it was like me grappling with like my 14 year old grief and feelings of guilt and then being told by my science teacher that like, yes, it is your fault. Like your lack of faith really did kill your mom. And I had this little twin. It took me more years to leave the church than that. And I think lesbianism helped a lot too. But uh, I was like, uh, this doesn't feel right. And I don't know if I want to be part of a religion that feels this way. And so like, that was like the beginning of my like, yeah, I don't think I can fuck with this for much longer. I'm so sorry. I mean, that's that's horrible. That's that's like yeah. really really fucked up to do to a teenager, but I mean, or to anybody. But um, yeah, I mean, the sad thing was that it wasn't like she wasn't even trying to be mean. It's just legitimately what she believed, which what she honestly believed. like makes me sad for her too. Okay, so um, I didn't know this was going to turn into. Um, you know, reignite my <laughs> Pentecostal obsession, but like I was also, <laughs> I was also really um, obsessed with like, like congregation members drinking battery acid or doing any of that kind of stuff. Did you ever see anything like that? I never drank any battery acid, I'm sad to say, or maybe 
delighted to say that I've never consumed battery acid. Um, Maybe it was was, um, radiator fluid. I don't remember. It was was some kind of something that had to do with a car or electronics and they drank it. Like I I would, I remember, seriously, I I would like bug my mom about this because like, you know, when I was growing up, there was no internet or anything, but I, I was so obsessed. And you're bringing it out in me now. Like any kind of religious oh. cult or culty kind of weird stuff like that, I'm obsessed with. There, I've said. Oh yeah, it was. I. It was all very culty. I mean, like it was all like very. It was just very weird, and the tests of it, like, oh, our teachers. Um, this is actually how the school got shut down by the IRS because they stopped for several years. They stopped paying the teachers. And then the teachers would ask for money. And then the pastor who ran the, the school and the church would tell them that it was like a test of their faith. And if they really believed in God, then he would take care of them and they should keep teaching us and being there for us. And so like, like some of my teachers, like literally like lived with their parents, like they were ending up and then they were still reporting to the IRS. And so like, then the teachers would owe taxes on money they never got. And then like one of the teachers ended up reporting it to the IRS and she like only told me she was doing it. And then the whole school shut got shut down but like it was just always like tests of faith like that like you were just supposed to like suffer and go through weird things and oh and they would um our spring break they would take us on these week-long retreats to Daytona Beach and make us pass out tracks and like witness to people who are having spring break so I'd have to go out with like my friends and like ask like like yeah evangelize to people Wait, what were you wearing <laughs> well <laughs> oh, uh, yes exactly a modesty men's pants t- t- t-shirt over my bathing suit and like some board really really you we were still wearing that. that you were wearing that oh yeah oh oh my god we oh, that wasn't only modesty. what you got baptized in you were that was like yeah that, was, that wasn't just for the fancy baptisms in the men's underwear <laughs> wow Oh my God, I can, I can see some hot role play sex coming up. Maybe not for you, but for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Maybe we should, we should take, we should take a little break here for a second and then we'll, we're going to listen to some music. um, So I can compose myself because it's getting hotter than hell in here. (laughs) <laughs> we'll be right back. Billy Ray was a preacher's son, and when his daddy would visit, he'd come along. When they gather around and started talking, that's when Billy would take me walking. Out through the backyard, we go walking. Then he look into my eyes. Lord knows to my surprise, the only one who could ever reach me was the son of a preacher man. The only boy who could ever teach me was the son of a preacher man. You see what he was. Okay, Amanda and I are back. All right, so um, I think we might have to consider, like, do some of this um, converse, follow-up conversation about the Pentecostal shit off the air or start only fans together. <laughs> um, um, but 
let's let's talk about how we met because that that was a pretty also it wasn't as crazy as like handing out religious tracts modestly (laughs) (laughs) or neither one of us as I recall fell off a cliff while trying to pee (laughs) we've got to we've got to try harder we just we have to try harder focused on our work (laughs) so um was that like, was it 2014 or 2015? I don't even remember. And... Well, there was, well, which one? So it was, cause there was, um, there was Far Flung Star, which was just like a very quick interaction. Yeah. And then, and then Occupying Ed, uh, was that one? Tw- so was Far Flung Star maybe like 2013 and then Occupying Ed was 2014? I think, you're, I think you're right. These are both films by Steve Balderson, um, who is both of our friends and an amazing director. And he was actually interviewed on, I can't remember what number of this podcast, but he's on there somewhere. And he has hilarious stories too. His sets are always wild. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, Occupying Ed was, um, it was a this crazy, awesome love story. Um, about a girl that was a waitress in a cafe right and she was in love with um she was in love with another waitress who was actually a man that i think he was wasn't he in some sort of state of amnesia because i've never seen that movie fully done yes yes i think so like he was in a and when he was in a state of amnesia he was a woman yeah and then when he wasn't he was a man yes and so I played like a um, a hardened biker chick with a heart of gold, which was not by any a means. A hot hardened biker chick. <laughs> really, I would have converted for you if you would have handed me a tract. <laughs> if only I had known. Um, and then you you were a waitress at my cafe, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And we were we filmed this in Kansas, which is um. Also, it's a own whole, um, Kansas has its own whole vibe. In, in the little town we were filming in Wamigo, Kansas, that place has so many crazy things going on. Oh my God, all the time. Yeah, like the missile silo. Did you know about that? No, I don't think I Okay, you don't know about this. a missile silo? <laughs> oh, oh I, well, because that happened on, I mean, that, that actually started up on a film before, like that I filmed with Steve called firecracker that was starring karen black Mm -hmm. and mike patton um you know the rock star mike patton for you listeners Mm -hmm. um and this was a carnival movie but while but there was like all over the midwest there's these huge missile silos and so there was one right near Wamigo, and some person right during or right before we were doing that shoot for firecracker had bought the missile um silo and They'd, um, they told everybody in town that it was going to be a mattress spring factory. <laughs> you can't make this oh shit my God. up. <laughs> but, oh, my God. No, but it really, it, it went down like three or four stories and it had like swimming pools and like water beds and like state of the art, like, um, you know, sound and lights and stuff. And it was like the biggest LSD distribution center of the original Owlsley, like Ken Kesey's acid test, um, like place in, right. in the, on the whole right. continent of North America. Yeah. And oh finally, my God. he got busted. 
Oh my God. But so that whole shoot, we were obsessing about the, you know, about that because there was also all these other things about someone that had come from Kansas and there was another kind of cult going on, not like a Pentecostal cult, but a real culty cult. <laughs> and this person had like wound up like going with cult members or something to the, to the Doubletree Hotel in Dallas, I think. And then was like drugged or something and then like woke up at Burning Man or, or like I might oh my God. this story wrong, but when they started telling the story about the missile silo and the LSD and the cult and all this kind of stuff. So um, Mike Patton and I were like insanely obsessed with that. And then, and then like suddenly there was like a bust of that, but it had been going on for years just as an innocent mattress spring factory. <laughs> <laughs> anyway sorry so we're, but we were That's talking amazing. about what else crazy happened in our shoot I'm not even remembering now I just remember like how, how much fun you were I don't know I mean like I don't remember with that one and then we did then we did Helltown where yes. you were the hot nurse rival and my mother but I was also pregnant while we were filming that one. Oh, but you like, were having... pregnant I don't I don't think I realized that I was like barely pregnant I was just like super newly pregnant at the time so you like, knew you were pregnant right right yeah I knew I was pregnant but like hadn't told a lot of people um I did tell Steve because we had to do like that crazy fight scene in the donut oh, yeah. shop and I was just like just FYI like I'm getting physical like just nobody can hit me in the stomach um but yeah well, so um you you played like a really bitchy cheerleader right we were cheerleaders yeah I I was, uh, I was a really bitchy, slutty, had every job in town. I don't know that I was doing any cheerleading because I was working, I, I worked at the liquor was... store. I said I worked at the liquor store and the donut shop and the, um, somewhere else too. I had like every football, job in the town. The football player's locker room? No. <laughs> I, I mean, I definitely worked that. Oh my God. But... <laughs> And so for anyone listening, Helltown was this, uh, another movie by Steve Balderson. And um, it was about, it was about this like small town and like high school students, but there was a movie within the movie, which was this continuing soap opera called Helltown. It was really good. And then everyone else in the cast got to see it. But I think I was like, when it first showed or when it first started showing, I think I was on tour in China, like for dance or in Egypt or something. That Egypt. sounds correct. Yes, you were yeah. somewhere. And then I didn't see it. And then when I saw it at a screening here in LA, like, I can't remember if it was you or someone asked me if Steve, like, had instructed me to laugh so hard at all the parts because I hadn't, <laughs> I hadn't seen it before that. <laughs> I was like having my hands over my mouth. I was cracking up so much. I highly it's recommend so that to everybody. That oh movie. my god! So and, and Plez like opens the movie and is so hilarious from like the first scene. It's so oh my god! You're so great on it. It's so good. I was praying. I could have had snakes in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> if only. If only. Reshoot. We must demand a reshoot. I was praying in a cemetery. Like what else is new? And then I played the. <laughs> the fucking hell, like horrible nurse that was taking care of me and when I was laying there as mother manly like Steve's like oh you're gonna have a really easy shooting day and he 
And so I was, I was in bed and I thought, oh, I'll just nail this in two seconds, which I kind of did until they shoved the, um, like a feeding tube thing into my mouth. And I had to lay there oh, looking God. like I was comatose, but they, they put it on with like scotch tape or duct tape or something. They, and oh, it was fucking, it was, I was starting to, I was starting to drool and it was really hot in there. And then like, I, I was trying to stay still and then Steve would be like, cut, cut, cut. That oh, <laughs> was like one of the, the worst shoot days I've ever had. Like I would have much rather been all rambunctious and in, in like your bar fighting scenes. And that, I thought it was going to be such a cakewalk. And instead I had like a rash from the, from the thing. Oh God. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, and then they, they did that scene with me with the donuts where they had that, um, that dental equipment in my mouth that holds your mouth open when the dentist is going over oh, yeah. it. And, <laughs> and then they put like fake, the fake, like, barf on me but it was like pea soup so I had like and my mouth is like held open I can't talk there's like pea soup going down my thing and then they're cramming all those donuts like I still can't eat a fucking donut and they're cramming all those donuts in my mouth that I'm trying to like fake choke without really choking also I was like newly pregnant so just trying not to fucking puke all over the point is Steve tortures us and we still come back for more because clearly that's our kink <laughs> I didn't I wasn't there when you filmed those things that's like okay now I don't feel so bad about my <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the tape on the mouth was still pretty bad no yeah no that yeah that was bad but I mean I wasn't I wasn't pregnant I wasn't like <laughs> pea soup at least it was just adhesive and my own drooling oh god but I, like a little bit before and a little bit after that shoot like I already had sort of a nurse uniform fetish and I remember I was wearing surgical masks in the movie and at the very beginning mm -hmm. of pandemic I, I was posting a bunch of like me and, and hot nurses outfits from like punk rock and from that movie and stuff with surgical masks and then by like a month and a half later I was like fuck this shit <laughs> you're like I am over this cake I am fucking cured of this cake <laughs> yeah yeah I, yeah it's not a, it's not a kink anymore <laughs> that was just a nightmare just an endless yeah. nightmare I know um okay so let's let's talk about um some some different more fun things speaking of like didn't you okay this is one of your tweets that i remember you guys you have to follow amanda on twitter her tweets are so awesome her daughter says such great things she has such good comments she always posts also like copies of these psychotic like hate letters that people send her that are so, <laughs> so like literate and <laughs> but i want to hear about um the murder house Airbnb that you were trying to stay at. That was in the pandemic, right? That that happened. Yeah, right? that. Yeah, that was in the pandemic. We had. Uh, it was like uh, just a few months ago. We had finally, like, after we got vaccinated and my wife's mom got vaccinated, uh, we drove up to Oregon to go visit her mom and see her because we hadn't seen her in a while to her daughter. And then on the way out, like we were staying in Airbnbs because we were like trying to be more safe and off the beaten path while we were driving. And like we booked this one and we thought it was, it was like one of those where like the pictures seemed totally fine. It seemed like a quaint, cute little like cabin in a kind of remote area, but in a cute way. 
And, yeah, you, and you posted the pictures. It looked, it did. It looked rustic, but really cute. So we thought, and then like, so we like go there and then like, it's way farther. We kept driving and driving. And then like finally on the side of the highway, we like pull off on this weird little dirt path. And then there's like this barn that's like abandoned and falling down on itself and just has an old faded American flag. And it's just like open. And we're like, so that's where the murderer lives. And then we like go into the cabin and all the floors are just tile. Uh, which I guess is like then after like you can just spray, you know, down all the blood more easily and clean up afterwards because like all tile in there. There's like no furniture. There's one little chair, one little like tufted chair that's not even the size of the cat of a couch. And then there's just like these two bedrooms that each have like a bed in them and nothing else. And like these big windows that go all the way to the ground that just face out into a field and there's no internet and there's no TV and there's that, like, it just looks like a shack that you go to, to become the victim of a murder. Like there's no other reason to go into the shack except to like be killed and then to have them hose down the place. And was the daughter drain, starts running the drains running. in the floor? Was, the floor there was no drain in the floor. But my wife and I both admitted later that we had each separately, when we had gone into the bathroom, had like pulled back the shower curtain to check for a body. And like we didn't tell each other until we left. And we're like, oh, you did that too? Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> and our daughter was like skipping around the place being like, this is a nightmare. This is a nightmare. And we were like, okay, you know what? We're just going to fucking leave. And we packed up and we left and we had to drive like an hour just to get signal on my phone again. So that then I could like find a hotel for a single stand. We didn't, we didn't stay the night because we were sure that if we did, it would have been our, our last. Wow. That's crazy. That is, that's we just didn't stay. Yeah. We didn't stay. It was not nice. All right, we're going to take a little break here for some music, and we'll be right back. Was it destiny? I don't know yet. Was it just by chance? Could this be Kismet? Amanda and I are back. Um, I want to ask you, have you ever had any like weird paranormal, or not like there's a normal one, any kind of paranormal experiences besides the murder house, which wasn't paranormal, but like movie adjacent? Was just creepy. Um, Yeah, I've had, I've had several actually. Um, I had one that was kind of sweet, which was, uh, right after my mom died. So she had been sick for a couple of years and she'd been bedridden. So she couldn't like go into my room and she could, like she was in a wheelchair and then she was just like 
in her room. And then eventually she was in a hospital bed in the living room, which is where she died. And so she couldn't walk around. She couldn't get into, into the back of the house or into my room. So she hadn't been in my room in probably, I don't know, over a year, but a little while after she died, I was in my bedroom and I found she had like those like cheesy nineties post-it notes that have said like a note from mom at some point. And I found one stuck on my desk in her handwriting that said, thanks for helping out when I was sick. I love you. And I I still have it. Like, yeah, I still have the post note because I, she couldn't have gone in my room for over a year. It was like a month after she died that I found it. So I have no idea how it could have gotten into my room or how, or when she could have written it. Like literally no idea. No, that's, that's amazing. That is, that's. Yeah, that is that is like that's, yeah. I mean, when there's when there's physical manifestations of stuff like that, it's so crazy. And there's there's you can't you can't talk to most people about it without sounding like you're completely batshit. You know, right? I but mean, like, I still like, like I still have that post-it. That's really yeah, crazy. I know, I know. Yeah, but you know, I still have it. It's there, and it's like. I have no other explanation for how or when it came from. So it is what it is. And I, yeah, I, it was really nice to find at the time. And I still have it uh, like what over 20 years later. So. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. And then uh, less sentimental ones. When I was a teen, my friends and I were playing with this, uh, we did the thing where you're having a summer party and you decide to like play with a Ouija board. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we were doing that. And then uh, it was a friend of my friends. I didn't really know her well. We were over at her house and she was like, I think my house is haunted. And we were like, sure, let's fuck around with the Ouija board and like, we'll find some stuff. But then um, as we were playing with the Ouija board, uh, the power went out and then it, we started feeling like, different like heat and cold sensations and all this stuff and then um at one point I think we were stupid enough to ask for a sign Uh and all of a sudden I was sitting on like a little like um like a little like milk crate box things we were like down in her basement because of course that's where you're gonna play with the Ouija board and I was sitting on this thing and all of a sudden with me on it as if somebody like grabbed it it goes sliding backwards three feet whoa and we all scream and then I like jumped over the table onto the couch and then we're all like huddled like this and then like the rest of the night like we're hearing noises, things are going off and on, things are moving. And we're all just like, I don't think any of us slept. We all just like stayed huddled in a ball for the next like eight hours. But wow, that's so crazy. Yeah. No. Yeah. Ouija boards are insane. Um, <clears throat> I had a Ouija board experience. Um, this was in the pandemic. My, um, my neighbor and um, my neighbor Morgan and my friend Greg um, my neighbor wanted to contact Hazel Adkins on his birthday. Um, I don't know if you know who he is, Amanda, or for, for you guys in the audience, um, I got to tell you, Hazel Adkins is, um, 
from like, you know, the hills and hollers of West Virginia, like a self-taught musician and like the cramps based a lot of their career on, on his, <laughs> on, his <laughs> on his songwriting about like, you know, cut off heads and television sets or in refrigerators <laughs> and stuff like that. But, amazing, amazing. So somehow, so we were playing Hazel Adkins to like kind of call his spirit in and, um, you know, Greg is sober. I was sober. Morgan was sober. And we start doing it. And the, the Ouija board is just going, like, it started going X, A, X, A, X, A. And then finally, when it starts repeating like that, it always seems demonic mm-hmm. to me. So I was like, okay, we're closing this session. And so we closed it. And then Greg looked it up on his phone. And he said, well, the only thing I could find was that that's like, slang for, it's gaming slang for russian people for ha ha like so i was like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> but so then then we started it up again <clears throat> excuse me um we started it up again and it started spelling z-o-z-o and that's like like a known demon so i was like okay fuck this this session is closing right now and then we went and we had some food and stuff and then um everyone sort of thought we should give it one more try. And then, uh, then it just went, um, on the next one, it just went, and I'm not making this up. This was like, and I've been doing Ouija board since I was 12. And I was like, okay, seriously, what the fuck? It just kept going six, 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 six. Oh no. And then, and then we were all talking about it afterwards, like about like just how weird it was with the repeating numbers and stuff. And I don't even remember this. Greg reminded me that I said it. And I just said, serious, you know, I just said it in all seriousness. Well, I mean, it did seem like demonic, but I mean, do we know whether Hazel Adkins was literate or not? <laughs> I wasn't trying, I wasn't saying that to be fucked up. But <laughs> I was just trying to be scientific, like, you know, parapsychology, but. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> All right. Any other That's ones amazing. that you have or no? Um, there was one again when I was a teenager, I did it in Central Florida. I was doing a lot of stuff at like the local community theater, which had been around like it was a vaudeville theater back in the 20s so like it had like a lot of history it was like a really beautiful old building that they had like kept up with all the you know historical whatever preservation society money and uh so we had been we were like doing some show and there was like this older guy in the cast who would always get like really handsy with me and like one night in particular he was like getting extra handsy and I was a little bit annoyed about it, but I didn't really say anything. And like my friend and I had talked about it and I was just like, God, I really, I like just wish he would like fucking back off. And I guess it's just that like previously for whatever reason, everybody had said that the theater was haunted, but there was always a lot of activity uh, whenever, whenever I was there in particular. And like, maybe like my mother had just died. The theater was kind of the way that I was like having an outlet. So I've been like around a lot of like death and loss. So like lights would flash or people would see things or there would be noises. And it tended to happen a lot when I was around. So there was like the joke that the ghost in the theater, like really liked me. 
um, or had a crush on me or like whatever. And uh, so I, I told my friend that like that dude was like creeping me out and I didn't like it. And then the next day, they, a group of people had gone upstairs to like get some costumes out of storage and the upstairs area back in the day used to be a bunch of apartments. And so there's, there were still like windows as if they were windows to the outside, but they were like just in hallways and stuff. Like it was all still set up, but it had turned into storage. And apparently, uh, you know, at some point one of the tenants had committed suicide up there, you know, all the normal stories from an old historic building. And all of a sudden the guy that had been all handsy with me, like something happened and he like, without any reason, like fell over and like got like shoved into the, one of the windows that was just like in the hallway. And then the windows like slammed down on his hands. Whoa. And, and my friend like swore up and down. He's like, I think like you said you didn't want him getting hands anymore. And I think the ghost was sending a message. And I was just like, I will fucking take it. No, that's, well, I mean, that's that. Yeah. That's it's it's so interesting that that all like all of your um, paranormal experiences have have involved like moving objects and um, or you know poltergeist activity or just very very active spirits because I, that that's not that common you know what I mean like like people will yeah. see and hear things a lot a lot more than actual physical movement or you know. And and I haven't, you know, I mean, that was all during a window of time where I had been dealing with like a lot of intense loss because like, it's not something that like has continued on in my life. Like it's not something that I've had any kind of like recent experiences. So I wonder if it was like, I mean, I know that people will get judgy about this or whatever, but like, I wonder if it was just at a time where I was a little more sensitive or activated or, you know what I mean? Yes. Also, also like a lot of, a lot of poltergeist activity occurs around, um, like pre-adolescent or adolescent, um, people, you know, but I think, I mean, I don't think, um, because of hormones, but I think because of just like the young energy and also like, because, you know, they're not fully formed, not like humans yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, so, I mean, that, that's kind of like, widely accepted you know that there's it's 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 often around an adolescent you know so you had you had like the perfect storm for that I think probably yeah I mean it's not something I really don't talk about it much because I just feel like people will you know and I'm like there might be logical explanations for all of it I don't know I just know you know what I experienced yeah. at the time yeah yeah I guess. yeah <clears throat> like when I, when I, when I've, um, I haven't done a paranormal investigation in a while, but we always try to rule, rule out mundane stuff first, like right. everything that's logical or, you know, was that really a ghost or were we standing near like a nest of electrical cords or right, a right. router or something, you know what I mean? Just any of that kind of stuff. But um, also, you know, you know what EPK is, right? Electropsychokinesis. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that that I you was I was I frying shit when we were on the movie sets together. Oh, totally, totally. I, yeah, yeah. So Especially that, the I, occupying Ed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've always had that, but um, you know, like that. But that thing comes from like 
when people are in heightened emotional states, like there, there's, um, I can't remember the doctor's name, but it was someone published a, you know, an article about it in 1993 that was kind of like that, um, you know, that people still go to about electric, uh, uh, electropsychokinesis or, or people that are called sliders, which means street light interference for SLI you know, or electrical people. And a lot of it happens when people are in highly emotional states um, and our, our whole bodies are electric, you know, but like you can have like that kind of an effect on it. And that, so in this paper, the female um, doctor or professor or whatever her official title was, was saying like she, she, you know, she'd studied so many that she knew it was a real phenomenon. However, it would be hard to recreate this in a lab setting because you'd have right. to like, yeah. So Right. Have the perfect storm of whatever the fuck the perfect storm was. Right. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Just, yeah. So, but I, I still have, I still have that. Although since I started doing energy healing, it calmed down way a lot, but it always would flare up for me, like on movie sets or, you know, <clears throat> at like auditions for dance mm -hmm. or acting or something. Like one time I put out a whole block in Silver Lake. <laughs> oh my God. No, I know. And, uh, but I, I wound up getting, um like this was for, for that movie, Charlie Wilson's War. I was like uh -huh. an assistant choreographer for the belly dance scenes. But, but I was so nervous about it because every dancer in North America had like, auditioned for a part in the movie and then I kept getting called back and called back and then on that last audition I walked in and just kapow like we were in a, a, a giant shit. dance studio with no windows and then it took us a long time to realize that the whole the whole block but not the whole neighborhood had just gone out and then like the choreographer the main prison kept saying I'm sorry prison I'm sorry I'm sorry and I was like Oh, it, it's okay. It's not your fault. I, I mean, it was not going like, to blow my chances by saying, oh, yeah, I was just like nervous because I really wanted this. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 it's not you. It's me. I promise. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this happens all the time. Not kidding. No. Get extra insurance on set. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, so... <clears throat> Sorry, I sound like an old man on The Sopranos because it's um, uh, as we're recording this. It's, I'm like, because <laughs> um, I took a Claritin, and you know that's my drug of choice these days <laughs> in the so hot of LA. Um, well, what else do we talk about? Like you already talked about your your book that's coming out, like or that's out by the time we hear this. I think it's. I think it, this is gonna just this is going to run like um, very shortly after your book is out, the lesbian detective novel, um, Work for a Million, right? It's called Work for a Million. That is, that is, thank you. What other stuff um, are you are you working for maybe not a million, but maybe thousands on? No. Oh God, I wish. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've got, um, I've written three episodes of the new He-Man that's coming out on Netflix. Uh, so that, maybe we'll be out by the time this comes out or maybe it'll be almost out. It's not the Kevin Smith one. There's another one because we needed all the humans in the world, apparently. So that's coming out soon. Um, and yeah, I guess that's kind of the only things I have upcoming that I'm at least allowed to talk about right now. And then there's other things that, you know, the NDAs <laughs> prevent me from being interesting about. 
<laughs> Anyone that doesn't know what NDA is, it's a non-disclosure agreement. <laughs> we should have signed one before you came on here, but but you started you started telling me about Pentecostals. No, I'm just kidding. Um, exactly. Okay. okay, so I have to ask you um, one or two more comic-y related questions. Um, okay, this also came from your from your Twitter. One night, Amanda wrote like. Um, she was sitting there literally like sounding out phonetically like fight words. Okay, I want you to I want you I want you to do a demo on this so everyone can hear it. Is that all right? Of course, sure. So it's like with comic books, you know, you're also writing the sound effects. So you come up with like the weird thing of like you're like, okay. What is it when someone goes like, Oof, or if they're like, like, you know, there's like a, like a swish or a clang or like something rattles a certain way. So then I end up like going like, like making all these noises and going like, okay, what, how does, like, how would you spell that out? And so like, you just end up kind of like uh, trying to figure out how to phonetically make either sound effects or like your, your tapping things or hitting things or like the way that people grunt or yell or thwack things it's it gets really weird it's like it's like typing in foley like like exactly but it's like you have to figure out then like what that foley sound like how you would spell it yeah you guys listening foley is when you hear someone like walking through quicksand or like you hear a horse's bridle shaking foley artists are the people that make those sounds for sound effects in movies just in case anyone didn't know i mean I yeah like if things are going like or whatever like yeah squishy how, how the how the fuck do you spell it <laughs> so have you ever like been in a hotel room like or anywhere like doing that or like writing at a cafe or something and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to be careful with if I'm doing it in public or like, you know, sometimes if I'm trying to like describe a fight scene, I'll like get up in the living room and be like, okay, if I flip somebody over my body, then like, how do I get up and turn around? And then the next thing I know, I'm like shadow boxing myself, like <laughs> trying to like flip over myself and, and like, okay, and then could I come up and like punch someone here or stab someone here? And, um, you know, it can be interesting for the neighbors sometimes. But more so when we lived, when we lived in Koreatown, uh, we had a lot more neighbors and my wife is a, is a comic book illustrator. And sometimes she'll take photos, uh, like reference photos. Like, so she'll be like, you know, like do this fight so that I can figure out how people would do this fight. So she would get like me and some of like our other actor friends. And I'd be like in some like leotard or something like crazy. And we're just like, slow motion fighting each other in the backyard in the full view of all the neighbors while she's like taking pictures. <laughs> which I'm sure was like, just like the craziest kink. Or she'll have me doing something. Like she has nude photos of me like this. Well, she'll just be like, do a pose. And I'm just like in the house out of the shower. And I'm like, okay. And then, you know, it's like me topless punching someone. Because why not? Sure. Okay. Oh my God. I heard, um, I don't know if this is true in urban legend, but you might know it. Um, I heard that the really old Batman um the 60s Batman on TV and maybe the older comics had flick as one of the um, things that would happen in a fight, like F-L-I-C-K. But when it started coming across, like in the old Batman mm. series in the 60s, that I used to watch after school every day. 
like they you know it would be like like bang and like there'd be like a big uh-huh. cartoon like sign of it coming across the screen like a graphic and so they stopped using flick because it looked like like a full screen spelling of fuck so that's a reason that in comic books because there's all the lettering and lettering is done in like particular fonts and styles that's a reason that you won't see a lot of uh, characters of comic books named clint oh <laughs> <laughs> I never noticed that. That's something only a comic book writer would know. Yes, but it's like, um, maybe it should be my life's goal to get a Clint in every book. Uh, because oh, yeah. my yeah, you should. <laughs> Hashtag, it's for pride. No. Exactly. But yeah, because there are like with certain fonts, you know, certain names. So, so is the lettering people like different than the illustrators? It totally is. It's its own it's its own job and it has its own artistry because like, you know, they'll fold certain words or change like the style or color of certain words to give it impact because you're not hearing the voices, you know, you're just seeing it in the word bubble. So like their job is to keep like the word spacing really legible, but also to add the the impact that gives it like emphasis and tone and mood, but it's, it's an entire job all to itself. But it's, it's totally still hand done, right? It's not like, like computerized or graphic. Uh, I think it's a mix. I think there are, there are some that do it, you know, and like spend a lot of time on like choosing fonts or creating their own fonts or whatever. But a lot of people still do hand letter. It's, it's both just like, just like with the comic book artists, some people do digital, some people still do traditional and a lot of people do a hybrid. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just wasn't sure. Um, yeah, because I remember, I remember like trying to write like that, you know, like, yeah, like in that that kind of like just comic book font. And I was so <laughs> this is going to sound so asshole, but I was so happy <laughs> when I discovered that you can like put thought bubbles on Instagram stories, and, and you can be <laughs> typing in any font, but it will come out looking like actual comic book. <laughs> Look, I love apps for for all that kind of stuff it's fun to it's fun to play with things and do things that you can't actually do what was your favorite um comics when you were younger did you was it only religious tracts <laughs> those, those had good comic writing too i used to, I used to I, collect those they were very dark i mean yeah so so other than uh the, the beautiful religious tracts about how we're all gonna burn in hell i the lesbian in me it's unsurprising i was really into betty and veronica Mm-hmm. comics you know so yeah uh, I would uh they always sold them at the grocery store and I would go to the grocery store with my mom and like have her get me a new Betty and Veronica anytime we went grocery shopping and just be glued to it because it was like fun and fun stories and you know attractive sexy women in bathing suits what more could I ask for yeah and also Jughead well maybe you didn't think so but like I always thought Jughead was hot kind of I was way too busy paying attention to Betty and Veronica. Yeah. No, I honestly. love I like Veronica better than <laughs> Betty. But I mean I, I guess did too. It's like, it's like the ginger and Marianne thing on Gilligan's Island. Yep. Yep. No, I was way more into Veronica. Oh yeah, because Veronica was hot. Betty was like someone you'd marry, but Veronica was like somebody's mistress. I mean exactly. not hot in the comments. But... <laughs> Five years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. Any any parting words, my darling? 
Um, I don't know. It's so good to see you. Thanks for thanks for hanging out. I miss you. I miss you too. I know we should totally. We haven't seen each other in ages. We should do that more. But you guys, how how amazing is Amanda? A A amazing Amanda. That's it. That could be your superhero name, Amanda. Yes, I finally have a superhero name. Thank you, Buzz. Uh, look look for look for her book. Um, that work for a million. It's coming out or is already out, as we just stated. Um, anyway, it's August twenty twenty one. And then um, she's got a lot of work all over the internet of things that she's written for TV or for comics. And that'll be in the episode description. Um, Amanda is super, truly amazing, as you have just seen. And um, one thing, one last thing I need to know, is Hot Mess available anywhere for our, our listeners who you know are going to want to fucking like see it? If you Google Hot Mess and my name, um some of them will come up, but it's not, uh, it's not like as easily collected in one place anymore, unfortunately, but they, 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 it's still out there. You can Google it and you definitely people are going to be Googling that. Yeah, for sure. And they should, they should. The stories are hilarious. <laughs> I want you to write a Pentecostal comic next. I should. I for really religious should. tracks, religious tracks. Okay. <laughs> I ended the episode, but now I'm continuing. <laughs> all right okay you guys goodbye to everybody in podcast land and goodbye to you amanda um this is the devil's music with pleasant gaming and today's guest the incredible amanda diver The Devil's Music is written and hosted by Pleasant Gaiman. Produced by Aaron Alden. All sound design by Jerry Danielson of Busy Signal Studios. And of course, is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at pantheonpodcasts.com. Our social presence is at Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods. All songs can be found wherever you get great music. Please pick up these important and fantastic tracks. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You just bought a home in the suburbs, but no one told you about all the birds, specifically this one, who seems to be calling out Roy. 
Roy. But who exactly is Roy? And why doesn't he ever respond? Maybe Roy is just bird speak for save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. I guess until Roy answers, we'll never know. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 